0: Two,
1: three. W R F I. <laughs> Watkins
2: Glen. W R F I Community Radio News is made possible by listeners like you. Help us tell important
3: stories about your community. Head to wrfi.org/donate.
2: from the Kenny Ritter Studios in the historic Clinton House in downtown Ithaca, New York. This is WRFI Community Radio News for Thursday, October 8th, 2020. I'm Michaela Savitt.
3: And I'm Tessie Devlin. After the headline news, you'll hear a story about the impacts of COVID-19 shutdown on a young couple separated by the U.S. and Canadian border. But first, here's a weather forecast courtesy of the National Weather Service. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low in the low 40s. Tomorrow, Friday, sunny with a high in the upper 60s and a low in the low 50s. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy with a low in the lower 50s. And looking to Saturday, partly sunny and much warmer with a high in the low 80s.
2: And now tonight's news for Ithaca and Watkins Glen. Kyuga Addiction Recovery Services, or CARS, in Trumansburg, is not accepting new patients for at least two weeks because a staff member has tested positive for COVID. The residential treatment center helps men who are recovering from drug abuse. The Ithaca Voice reports that CARS is working with the Tompkins Health Department to contact Trace based on the positive case. As of last night, they have identified 10 staff members who were around the person who tested positive for an extended period of time. Those staff have to quarantine if they show symptoms, but are allowed to work if they do not. They're expected to isolate at home when not working. The center's outpatient services at 334 West Martin Luther King Jr. Street or State Street will continue to provide services as they have not been affected by a COVID outbreak. Questions about the Trumansburg facility can be directed to admissions at carsny.org, that's admissions at carsny.org, or by calling 607-275-5678.
3: The Watkins Glen School Board has voted unanimously to allow Superintendent Greg Callahan to develop a proposal that would allow pre-K through second grade students to attend school in person for more days. They're proposing that those students go into the classroom four or five days a week instead of the current plan that has students for only those two days. The Odessa File reports that the school board also approved a, quote, off-season workout and conditioning program, unquote, for fall athletes in grades 7 through 12. This started on Tuesday, October 6th, and will run until November 24th, depending on the weather. Now looking at the local COVID-19 caseload, the latest numbers released today from the Tompkins County Health Department indicate that there are four additional positives and one new recovery. According to the County Health Department, that leaves 41 active cases of COVID-19 in Tompkins, and two people remain hospitalized from complications of the novel coronavirus. In Schuyler County, there are three new cases of COVID-19 reported as of today, according to their health department. One new case remains. In addition, Schuyler County is reporting its first COVID-19 hospitalization.
2: Ithaca Mayor Savante Myrick has entered a precautionary quarantine period after being possibly exposed to COVID-19, reports the Ithaca Voice. Myrick's action follows his participation yesterday in a daytime press conference with Binghamton Mayor Rich David, who announced last night that he's tested positive for coronavirus. The mayors of Syracuse, Albany, and Fayetteville also attended the press conference, which took place in Syracuse. The five leaders joined together to call for federal funding to help their cities recover from revenue shortfalls due to COVID-19. A tweet from Mayor David of Binghamton notes that he's feeling well and is resting at home. He says he intends to follow the advice of public health professionals on treatment and isolation and is providing information to contact tracers. Ithaca Mayor Myrick wrote on Twitter today that he's awaiting notification from the Tompkins County Health Department as to how he should proceed after initiating self-quarantine. He's also reminding the community to continue mask wearing and social distancing practices.
3: It's been a busy week for Ithaca Mayor Savante Myrick. Less than 24 hours before he quarantined, after being exposed to COVID-19, the mayor presented his proposed 2021 budget on Wednesday night at the regular meeting of the City Common Council. The City of Ithaca faces the task of making up a deficit of about $2.5 million that is not paid for in the proposed budget. Myrick's office proposes defunding 28 current unfulfilled positions, reducing hours for seven positions and laying off two employees, reports Ithaca Voice. Myrick's budget calls for a 2.8 percent decrease in funding for the Ithaca Police Department budget. The proposed decrease is about $357,000 down from last year's budget of $12,775,000. This savings comes from eight vacant office positions that have been left open amid the economic fallout of COVID-19. In addition, the mayor is calling on IPD to create an operational efficiency plan to reform beat assignments and stagger coverage in order to have more officers on duty during peak call times, and less officers on at times where they get fewer calls. The mayor says he wants to see this plan to be put into effect as soon as possible.
2: The 2021 budget also calls for decreasing the staffing at the Ithaca Fire Department by decreasing the number of firefighters by two and cutting a deputy chief position. These three positions are currently not filled. A major hallmark of the budget is its flat tax rate at $11.77 per thousand of assessed property value. Myrick notes that the tax levy will increase by 7.23% due to rising property assessments. Members of the public who would like to comment on the proposed budget can offer input at upcoming public comment sessions. The first takes place next Wednesday, October 14th at 6 p.m. For more information about the city budget, you can visit cityofithaca.org.
3: During Tuesday's regular meeting of the Tompkins County Legislature, a resolution supporting next year's financial allocation from the county to TC3 passed unanimously. Legislator Mike Lane, liaison to the TC3 Board of Trustees, emphasized the importance of supporting the community college during financially uncertain times. The county allocation for 2021 will total just over $3 million. County Administrator Molino also introduced Ruby Pulliam for confirmation by the legislator for a six-year appointment as Human Resource Commissioner. Her appointment was approved by a unanimous vote, and she comes to the job from Niagara Falls, where she served as the Director of Personnel and Equal Employment Opportunity Officer. Additionally, a public forum on the proposed $200 million budget was held last night. The discussion was recorded and can be viewed on the Tompkins County YouTube channel.
2: In other news, the Department of Homeland Security announced on September 25th that they plan to limit the length of student visas. This means that the current policy of allowing international visitors to stay in the U.S. as long as they abide by the, quote, terms of admission, unquote, would change. The Cornell Daily Sun reports that this would affect around 200 of the college's undergraduate, graduate, and professional students. International students make up 11% of undergrads, of graduates, and 34% of professional students. In the proposed policy, international students would need to apply for extensions to finish their education if it goes longer than their visa, which is usually allotted for four years. However, it's not guaranteed that students who apply will get to stay in the U.S. People from 50 countries would only be eligible for a two-year visa. These countries that have an overstay rate of more than 10% are on the state sponsors of terrorism list, which includes most African countries. Students and institutions have until October 26th to submit comments to DHS against the policy, which Cornell is encouraging students to do.
3: Pence and Harris debated last night in Salt Lake City, a week and a half after it appears that more than a dozen people contracted the coronavirus at a White House event. More on the latest U.S. election news, courtesy of our friends over at Pacifica Network and the Public News Service.
1: Welcome to 2020 Talks, where we track the 2020 elections in uncharted territory. From the very first day, President Donald Trump has put the health of America first.
2: Clearly, it hasn't worked. When you're looking at over 210,000 dead bodies in our country,
1: Vice President Mike Pence defended the Trump administration's pandemic response last night in Salt Lake City at the only vice presidential debate scheduled against Senator Kamala Harris. He cited his experience heading the COVID task force, this just a week and a half after it appears more than a dozen people contracted the virus at a White House event. Before the debate, the influential New England Journal of Medicine's editorial board wrote that the Trump administration had, quote, taken a crisis and turned it into a tragedy. Not explicitly endorsing Biden, they called for the ouster of quote dangerously incompetent current political leaders. Debate interruptions were fewer than last week's, but still USA Today's moderator Susan Page came in frequently to stop Pence going over his time.
3: Thank you, Vice but President. At, at Pence. The, you, Thank
0: you, Vice President. Pence. So Your time is up.
1: according to CBS News, the Vice President got in an extra three minutes. Pence avoided more questions of substance and often pivoted to attack. The climate is changing. We'll follow the science. But uh, once again, uh, Senator Harris is denying the fact that they're going to raise taxes. Harris clarified the Biden plan is to raise taxes on incomes over $400,000 to help create infrastructure jobs and rebuild the middle class. Harris also highlighted the recent New York Times report showing the president owes millions of dollars and said the country deserves to know who he's indebted to. Pence claimed the Biden-Harris ticket would pack the Supreme Court if Judge Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed, though neither has stated a position on adding justices. Speaking of packing, Harris pointed to Trump's appointment of federal judges
2: who have been reviewed by by legal professional organizations and found to have been not competent are substandard. And do you know, that of the 50 people who President Trump appointed to the Court of Appeals for Lifetime Appointments, not one is black.
1: On the integrity of the 2020 election and a peaceful transition of power, Pence again sidestepped and attacked the Democrats.
2: When you talk about accepting
1: the outcome of the election, I I must tell you, uh, Senator, your party has spent the last three and a half years trying to overturn the results of the last election. Harris expressed her campaign's belief in our democracy and encouraged people to vote.
2: And we will not let anyone subvert our democracy with what Donald Trump has been doing, as he did on the debate stage last week, when again in front of 70 million people, he openly attempted to suppress the vote.
1: Facebook widened its ban on political ads to extend from a week before the election to an indefinite amount of time afterwards, as concerns mount over the possibility that it could be used to undermine the results of the election. From Pacifica Network and Public News Service, I'm Lily Bolke. Thanks for listening.
2: And that concludes our headline news for tonight. Coming up, you'll hear a story about a couple trying to reunite after COVID-19, caused the US and Canada border to shut down the shared international border that's after the break on WRFI community radio news stay with us Here on with his song, Hurricane, here on WRFI Community Radio News. I'm Michaela Savitt. And I'm Tessie Devlin.
3: Life as we know it has changed for everyone amid the pandemic, and we've been plugged into a period of uncertainty about how long this virus c- will continue to upend our lives. Up next on our program, WRFI summer news intern John Donville brings us a story about managing that uncertainty amid a newfound obstacle that the COVID-19 shutdown placed between him and his girlfriend. This piece first aired on our program in July of this year.
4: March 8th, 2020, my teammates and I on the Varsity Cornell men's lacrosse team are in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we pull off an epic one-goal upset of Penn State. We are undefeated, ranked second in the nation, and coming home thrilled with our victory. I'm in my junior year of undergrad and playing the best I had in years. It was my dream season. My teammates and I sat on the turf in Charlotte after the game, taking in the North Carolina Sun. I wish I could have stayed on that turf forever. Sitting in the Charlotte airport, some travelers wore masks. It was obvious that things were about to change. Wednesday, March 11th, 2020. The Ivy League becomes the first athletic association nationwide to cancel all spring athletics. I'm crushed. I don't cry. Instead, I just sit in my locker, stunt. The season is over. Saturday, March 14th, 2020. I pack up my car and say bye to Ellie, my girlfriend of almost three years. In my head... I'm thinking I'll get to see her in a few weeks. My friends stay for a few more days. I want to get home to Canada before the borders close. Less than a week after one of the best days of my athletic career, I'm headed home, alone. Instead of radio, I listen to one song on repeat, Closing Time. Four hours later, I'm home. Quarantine begins open all the doors and let you out into the world i've always wanted to play lacrosse for the big red it was the first university i ever visited when i was a child and i grew up idolizing the team when my brother played for the team it made the choice even easier i knew the school was in a different country but really that was not an issue the border was just a pit stop on the way to school student visas were essentially a slam dunk in truth Upstate New York is not all that different from Canada. The weather is cold, the people are friendly, and most places have Tim Hortons. During my first week at Cornell in the fall of 2017, I met Ellie. She played lacrosse too, she's a hard worker, and she's incredibly kind. Basically, from the start, things clicked for us. In the years since that first week, I have learned that Ellie is resilient and competitive, and she cares intensely about the people in her life. Last year, she was named captain on the Varsity Women's Lacrosse Team at Cornell. I am privileged to have the best seat in the house to watch her every day. Not only is she my best friend, but she is one of the best friends and teammates I have ever seen. She has taught me to be more selfless and to put others before myself. And while I have a long way to go on that front, she pushes me to do better every day. Ellie's from just outside New York City, but I never really considered the fact that she was from a different country. And neither did she. We talked about our situation over Zoom. Before the pandemic started, did you ever consider the possibility that the border would kind of come between us? No. But all that changed after March 14th. I was stuck at home in Canada as, at that point in time, the border between my country and the United States would be closed for a month.
0: I think the, like, indefinite time frame that um, is given, obviously, we don't really know how much longer it will be closed for, and... The just thinking that the border is only going to be closed for a month and then getting a second edition of another month and then just continue continuously um, getting longer. I think that's been the hardest part because it makes um, the expectation of seeing you uh, in like however many days kind of just get crossed off and that that is probably the toughest
4: part. And it did keep getting longer. The border was originally set to reopen on April 20th. A short time before that date, it was extended another month. The clock reset, and another month was added to the countdown. My perception of being in an international relationship had changed, and the same was true for Ellie.
0: So yes, I think think so. Just because of the barrier, I think that it makes it a little bit more real that there is something um, that's different. And I don't think that I've thought as much about like the visa situation and not being able to like work in the United States before just because it hasn't really, it, it's in the future, but now I think that I'm more aware of that.
4: As May 20th approached, my anticipation was building. I was excited to get back to the States. I had this internship set up at WRFI in Ithaca, and I was really excited to see Ellie. It had been more than two months, but the news reports weren't good. Speculation in the days leading up to the 20th were indicating that the closure would be extended at least another month. Finally, it came out that the extension was confirmed another month. Without better options, I decided to try anyways. The closure had exceptions for work and study, and I had a small chance of getting back into the United States. Here's Ellie again.
0: I was with all of our friends in Ithaca, and I was expecting you to come, and obviously hoping, and I really didn't think that they weren't going to let you over just because I, I was like, oh, there, there's a valid reason. Um, and then when it took so long and took, what, I think like an hour.
4: While Ellie waited, I pled my case to the border guards, but I was turned around and sent back home to Canada.
0: Um, there was a long delay and I was talking to my friends. I was like, should I text him? Like, I think that... He would tell me right away if he got over, um, and I was very confused because I didn't think it would take this long um, because of the experiences that I had at crossing the border. It, it didn't take that long f- uh, for me, so I was a bit confused, and I kept waiting. I was like, all right, I'll give it 10 more minutes, and then I was like, I'll give it 10 more minutes, and then I finally just just sent a text, uh, or I think I tried to call you first, and it got declined. I was like, oh, geez, like this doesn't seem good. Um and then right when you said you couldn't get over, I was like, okay, like, oh, well, um, that that sucks.
4: She actually thought I had gotten into the United States, and I was lying to surprise her in Ithaca.
0: Then I think I didn't hear from you for, like, another hour or two again. And I was like, wait, like, what if what if he's coming and surprising me? So I think I just uh, was second-guessing, and I was like, maybe there's some small hope that they let him over. Um but I think the hardest part of it was that I was with all of our friends and that uh, I was having fun, but I also just wish that you were there too.
4: May 20th, 2020, needless to say, was not a good day. As I drove away from the border, I was feeling pretty embarrassed. Not only had I thought I was going to get across the border, but I had really gotten my hopes up to see Ellie. I had visions of this amazing summer of the United States, but would now have to go back to the drawing board. And there were a bunch of not-so-great days that followed. I was having trouble keeping my spirits up. I take pride in being driven, but now I had nothing to work towards, nothing to plan. In a lot of cases, not much to do around my house. I didn't want to be hopeful again, just to get let down. Ellie had to address her outlook, too.
0: Honestly, just going day by day, I think it's important, just in general, to to be living day by day in this situation, because then once you start thinking too much about every little detail... Um, it gets exhausting, and you kind of just mentally, it's hard to, to take care of.
4: In June, I heard from a friend that had flown over the border to New York. He had not had the same troubles that I had had when I tried to drive over the border. Then my dad sent me an email at our national newspaper saying that there were different restrictions with flying than there were with driving. Sensing that this might be my only shot, I booked a flight three days later. June 17th was a good day. I flew that morning from Pearson Airport in Toronto into JFK Airport in New York City. Ellie drove to the airport to pick me up. It was weird giving her a hug while I was wearing a mask. It was weird being back in America. We were living in a new normal, but at least we were now going to face this new normal together. I talked to Ellie back at her house after I landed, this time face-to-face instead of Zoom, on what she was feeling that day.
0: Yeah, I think that it was just a surreal feeling, and I didn't really first believe it until you were actually in the airport in uh JFK but um it definitely was weird because I was just going on with my daily lifestyle at that moment and then you said hey I got over and I think at that moment I hadn't really realized and then when I got to see you then I realized that it really was happening.
4: One of the most surreal parts was that my indefinite absence was finally over. For the first time in a while, we could make plans with at least some degree of certainty.
0: Knowing that we can actually just live in the moment and do things together rather than plan for what's coming and question when we actually could uh, do the things that we wanted to do.
4: Even since arriving, though, there has been a fair share of negative news. The COVID-19 pandemic obviously didn't stop once I got over the border, and I am one of the many who have grown anxious with the constant stream of disheartening public health news and divisive political discourse. I've struggled to stay optimistic, but Ellie had a plan.
0: I would say I just kind of focus on the the day that I'm living in that, that moment. Once you start thinking about the future too much, I think it just gets a bit hazy, and people start making speculations about what's going to happen. And when you do that, it it just ends up being pretty pessimistic. So I think just living in the moment and doing small things that I enjoy on a daily basis keep me um, in good spirits and keep me from thinking about uh, the negatives that could happen potentially in the future.
4: Tuesday, July 7th. Today was not a great day. That anxious feeling is back. It was announced today that international students have to leave their country if the school does not go back to in-person classes as of now cornell is welcoming students back to ithaca if that changes to being fully online i will have to leave or risk being deported just like when the border was closed i felt like i was trying to convince people to care about my problems even when they have their own luckily numerous voices around the nation are fighting for the rights of foreign students like me ellie and i recently looked back on that day
0: i definitely think it was pretty scary Um, especially knowing you and other international students, um, it just becomes that much more real and not as uh, far-fetched, I guess, and it it starts to impact you on a personal level. Um, And I definitely didn't agree with it, so it's definitely scary. Mm -hmm.
4: Tuesday, July 14th, the thrill ride continues. The Trump administration rescinds the plan to deport international students if their schools are online. Just like that. A potentially life-altering policy just implemented and rescinded, and it seems like nothing happened.
0: I just think it's pretty funny how things can go from such extremes. Um, It's just crazy that one week we were nervous about that, and then all of a sudden they're just like, okay, you can go on now. There's nothing to work to worry about um yeah i guess it was just a relief um to not have to worry about that anymore
4: i'm relieved we've all had to live through the bad days so i make sure to enjoy the good ones too later in the day the canadian border closure with the usa gets extended again i'm not planning to leave anytime soon but it's a reminder of the realities that separate me from my family and the lesson and we all still have a long way to go with this pandemic. I'm John Donville, and that was Quarantine Days. Special shout-out to my girlfriend Ellie and to our news director, Michaela Savitt, for help making this all happen.
2: Former WRFI news intern John Donville recounting an unexpected obstacle that came between him and his girlfriend in the last several months. I checked in with John this week, He is indeed still a student at Cornell. He says that he and Ellie's athletic teams have gone back to training, finally, in groups of no more than 10 and, of course, six feet apart. John says being back with the team has been a relief, and while it isn't an ideal semester, they're making the most of it. And that will do it for our program today, our... Headline news was written by WRFI news contributor Tessie Devlin and Esther Racusen. Esther and I edited today's news items. Uh, today's feature producer was WRFI contributor John Donville, and Tessie Devlin was my co-anchor today. If you missed the WRFI Community Radio News at 6 headlines, it's now available as a podcast updated every weeknight shortly after our program. Take our show on the go. Visit wrfi.org to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, back tomorrow night and every weekday evening at six with more of the stories impacting our communities. On behalf of the entire WRFI News team, I'm Michaela Savitt, WRFI News Director. Take care, be well, and have a good evening.
3: WRFI F- F- F-